It's time for Thriller Thursdays here on the Mutual Audio Network, if you dare. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Justice. Jack Justice. If there's one thing that I've learned in my years as a detective... And there are those who would tell you that there isn't. But who asked them? But assuming, for the sake of both argument and exposition, that there is, in fact, one thing that I have learned, it is that facts in evidence are not always facts indeed. Or to put it another way, sometimes a bird in the hand turns out to actually be a stale Danish and a bus ticket to Topeka. Perhaps I should explain. Perhaps that would be best. Sometimes a detective's number one enemy in an investigation is the thing that everyone is so sure of that no one bothers to check. The fact in evidence that isn't. The aforementioned bird in the hand, and so on. See, a private detective usually appears on the scene because someone, or a small series of someones, isn't having a lot of luck with the public detectives. After all, why shell out the princely sum of $35 a day plus expenses when your tax dollars are hard at work? And when the thing your tax dollars are hard at work doing is putting you or someone you love in an iron cage somewhere, the purse strings loosen up in a heck of a hurry. And as for the cops, well, God bless their little socks, I don't envy them their job. Trixie and I can turn down a case if it sounds fishy or crooked or creepy or if it just plain gives us the screaming heebie-jeebies. The cops here have to turn out for every crank that shows up at their door, and they're open for business 24-7. It's no wonder they like a nice straight line. They look for the obvious answer because they've got a hundred more questions piling up down at the precinct house. The bird in the hand is sometimes their only friend. But when your job is to see things differently, sometimes you have to wander pretty far out on a limb. And sometimes you have to do it in front of an audience that's more than a little unimpressed. I have lost count of the cops that crossed the street when they saw me coming. My dear old sainted mother used to say that even a clock that stopped is right twice a day. Of course, like any other plea for tolerance and acceptance, that's only half true. What Maud Justice failed to consider is that a clock that is two hours and 26 minutes slow is wrong all the damn time. There you are. Is that all you got to say to me? No. Your suit looks like you slept in it. Your hat looks like a raccoon slept in it. You emptied the office bottle after I left, again, and also, there you are. Nice. Listen, I've been thinking... So have I. I think we're going to have to raise our rates. What? 35 a day doesn't cut it anymore, and I'm running out of ways to pad expense reports to keep the wolf from the door. This is what you're working on? Yes, Jack. This is what I'm working on. The books. The ledger. The thing you refuse to look at that tells us exactly how up to our necks we are in any given moment. And the answer is very... $40 a day. 40 Or thirty nine ninety five if you really think people are that stupid. I really do, yes. I've been thinking... Is this a tacit approval for the new rates? I don't care about the new rates. Listen... Well, you better start caring, genius. There's no private detective's benevolent fund waiting for us. We've got to start playing smarter. Maybe we'll get shot in the line of duty. We don't have that kind of luck. I could shoot you now. You could try. 
I've been thinking. Oh, for the love of Saint Augustine! What have you been thinking? What could you possibly have been thinking about this early in the day that merits this kind of attention? I've been. What made you think of Saint Augustine just there? What? Brewers, printers, sore eyes, theologians. Please tell me what you were thinking, Alter Boy, because I'm just dying to know. I was thinking about keeping Gabe Hill out of the gas chamber. Why would we want to do that? He's our client. He lied to us. This I grant you. And he's a murderer. Accused murderer, if you please. Accused murderer, then. And most of all, I didn't notice him stopping by this morning with thirty-nine ninety-five plus expenses.、Oh, you're all heart, you are. Sure, just like you're all brains. The name's Dixon, Trixie Dixon, girl detective. I thought I'd got off a little too easy when Sabian slapped the cuffs on Gabriel Hill. Part of me had worried that Old Squarejaw had washed his hands of the entire affair a little more quickly than was his usual wont. But just when he'd lulled me into thinking that maybe, just maybe, I was wrong about his bull-headed stubbornness just this one time, he turned around and made it obvious that I was more right than usual, which was saying quite a bit. Gabe Hill was one of those clients that made a girl detective wish she never got out of bed. He'd come to us with a sob story about being disinherited from his uncle Broderick's will. He claimed it was due to a smear campaign being run by his cousin Louisa, with whom Gabe was widely considered to have had an affair, which, since she was his cousin by marriage, was not technically biblical, but still made for awkward Thanksgiving dinners. Hill swore up and down that the affair was a fiction, a smear campaign of its own, concocted by one or more scheming out-of-town cousins to turn the aforementioned Uncle Broderick against him. In the course of our investigation, it became clear Gabriel Hill had lied about the affair, which was real, and the smear campaign, which was not, and the Hill will, which he had never actually been in, apparently because no one liked him any more than I did. Except possibly Louisa, and I assumed there was some dirty thrill there that I wanted nothing to do with. It had almost been a relief when Uncle Broderick had wound up in his study with a stylish new air vent in his skull, and Gabe Hill became John Q. Law's chief dance partner for a little tune called "Murder in the First." But now a snoop and peep case that had paid had become a murder case that almost certainly didn't. Which meant one thing: Jack had finally got interested. We pulled up to the Hill Estate, still buzzing with a few blue-coated drones. Three days after the murder, Jack's brow furrowed as he scanned the doors, looking for a soft touch or an easy mark. We made our way down the drive to a small side door with steps leading down into the belly of the old house. Jack beamed with a genuine, simulated warmth as he found what he was looking for. Sergeant Nelson. Oh no, Nelson, my old pal. Not you. My boon companion. My what? Lay it on with a trowel, why don't you? Quiet, you. You're not supposed to be here. Good morning, Nelson. You're not supposed to.、Uh, oh, good morning, Miss Dixon. You're really not supposed to. You're looking well. Well, I, that is, thank you. But you're really not. So let's get this over with. What do you say? Neither of you are. What's that? Let's get this over with already. It'd be nice if we could earn a dollar today instead of just running Sabian's errands. Running, but the lieutenant. Don't even get me started on the lieutenant, Nelson. I've had enough of his barking already today. The, that is, you talked to Lieutenant Sabian today? Of course. But I thought. What do you think we're doing here? Well, I thought that is, he he told me that he did tell you to expect us, didn't he? No. Well, that is, he did, but he said. All right then, let's get cracking. You don't understand. The lieutenant told me that you and Miss Dixon would probably be coming around sooner or later. Sooner or later. 
after the way he hollered? But that you, um, you, you can come in. The crime scene. Uh, he, uh, he actually told me that I should shoot you, but I, I don't think he meant that part. N- not exactly. You mean he? Do you believe this, Trix? Shocking. Sabian calls us up this morning, tears a strip off us, tells us he'll have our licenses pulled if we don't get down to Broderick Hills to take a look at the crime scene. Then he calls Nelson and tells him not to let us in? Cops, who can figure them? Well, he didn't exactly... Well, I'm not putting up with it, Sergeant. You're my witness. If he tries to burn us for not showing up at the prosecutor's office with our notes... Prosecutor's office? Come on, Jack, let's get out of here. Well, the thing is... Yes, Nelson? The thing is... He didn't exactly mention you this morning. He didn't? Well, no. It was more like right after the murder. But that was three days ago, Nelson. Well, sure. When we were first locking down the scene. When he found out you'd been working for the killer. We like to call him the alleged killer. Just for fun. Yeah, well, that's the kind of fun Lieutenant Sabian wanted to avoid. He was pretty particular about it. Isn't that always the way, Trixie? Like I say, you're not supposed to be here. After all these years, you've been on the force, too. What's that? That's what really gets my goat, Nelson, is the lack of respect he shows to you. How do you mean? He changes his tune about something like this and doesn't even stop to give you a second thought. Doesn't even have the courtesy to let you know what's happening. Well, uh... I don't think that... Never mind, Jack. It's Sabian's mess. Let him deal with it. I just don't think that I ought to... After all, it's not like he can blame Nelson for doing what he was told. Well, I really ought to... And when the DA and the mayor come down on him, he'll just have to admit that it was his mistake. Maybe I ought to... And it's not like he's going to fly off the handle and come down on Nelson like a ton of bricks. Now that I think of it, maybe... Maybe it's all right. I mean, the lieutenant says it's all right. Who who am I to argue? boy. Come on, it's right through here. Watch that step. It's a little loose. So it is. A girl could break her neck on that. Sensible shoes, partner. Sensible shoes. These are plenty sensible. Will you look at this place? The body was right through here. Close to that side door. That's right. Nice when they're thoughtful like that. The M.E.'s office didn't think it was so thoughtful. They didn't want to get their vans stuck in all the mud by the side. They had to cart the body through the whole house to get to the main doors. Places like a rabbit's warren. What was this room before the typhoon hit it? The study? Something like that. Couldn't have been used all that much. Old Man Hill had an office near the front, just across from his room. Place sure got wrecked in the struggle, though. The servants hear anything? They had the night off. What, all of them? It's just three. A cook, a butler, and a male secretary. And they were all off at the same time? Every Tuesday night. Hill had dinner at his club like clockwork. Convenient. And then some. Nothing a fellow likes more than giving the staff the night off, having an early supper, then retiring to a disused sitting room in the back of the house to get his head caved in. By his nephew. You're sure about that part, are you? Well, it seems pretty cut and dried, Mr. Justice. The killer had to know that the servants wouldn't be in, had to have a grudge with the deceased... Like being left out of the will, which he obviously knew since he hired you and Miss Dixon, and it had to be someone with no alibi for the time of the murder. Which was when? Look for yourself. That clock got broken in the struggle. Stopped at 9.55. It's pretty dusty, Nelson. What makes you think it kept the right time? Because Broderick Hill's watch broke in the struggle, too. 9.55 on the dot. Tidy. It is, too. Where's the blood? Wasn't any. That seemed normal to you? The M.E. says so. Hill had a serious head trauma and heart attack about the same time. He was disheveled, like he'd been in a fight. There were blunt force marks on the back of his head, and a poker is missing from the fireplace. Any prints? Lots of prints. Hill, staff, relatives, hangers-on. 
but only one set belonging to somebody that didn't have an alibi for 9.45 on Tuesday night, Gabriel Hill. So Gabe Hill comes over. He knows the staff has the night off. Maybe he expected to find his uncle. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he was looking for something. Like what? How should I know? Uncle Broderick comes in. They argue. The argument becomes a struggle. The old man's ticker starts to give out. And the nephew panics and makes sure of him with the poker. Well, that's how the lieutenant figures it. Neat as a pin. Even if you don't dot all the T's and cross all the I's, Gabe Hill's going to make a lousy witness in his own defense. He's a born liar. He's changed his story twice already. And it's all admissible as evidence. I'm sorry, Miss Dixon. I know it isn't good for business to work for a killer. I don't mind working for a killer, Peaches. It's working for a stupid killer that sticks in my craw. What do you think, Jack? Look at this clock. Jack, I don't care about the stupid clock. Nice thick crystal. Didn't shatter when it was hit. But look at that impact hole. Something small and square did this. So what? Exactly. It could have been anything, Mr. Justice. No, it couldn't. It could have been something small, square, and hard that collided with the clock with a lot of force. So what was it? Does it matter? Only if your life depends on it. What in the Sam Hill is going on here? Oh, hi, Lieutenant Sabian. Oh, hi, Lieutenant... Nelson! What? What did I say? What was the one very simple instruction to you? What did I specifically tell you not to do under any circumstances? But I thought... You thought what? What? You just woke up this morning and said, What a beautiful day! I think I'll do everything in my power to get myself busted down to patrolmen! What in screaming blue banshees are they doing here? Doing where? Doing where? Doing here? Where did they go? They left. What? Just now, when you were yelling at me, they slipped out. Oh, no. Not again. Not today. But, Lieutenant... Justice! Dixon! Get back here now and I mean it! Justice! You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. We didn't exactly have a lot of time. Sabian would be furious, and if he held a pattern, he'd aim his rage in the general direction of Sergeant Nelson for a strictly limited time. Once he turned his focus where it really belonged, we wouldn't be getting a peep out of any of the supporting cast, and our lead player had already nearly talked his way into a conviction. A few more strikes against him, and his court-appointed mouthpiece would start trying to persuade him to sign a confession and take a plea. Which I wouldn't have a problem with in the slightest, except for one thing— Ten minutes at the crime scene had convinced me of one little thing. Whoever had killed Broderick Hill, it probably wasn't Nephew Gabe, however much I might have preferred it to be otherwise. Jack took the bad news that I was now on his side in stride as he parked his heap across from a tre-la-la private club downtown. Did something in particular bring you around, or are you just playing the safe odds that I'm right yet again? If I were playing the safe odds, I'd rat you out to Sabian. I'd just as soon not spend the night in the pokey. Miss Dixon has plans that do not involve cops, you, or a charge of interfering with a police investigation. Thirty-five charges, no convictions. Think we got the record yet? He's not trying to convict us, genius. It's how he keeps us out of his hair for a day or two. Ah! What is it? Ah! I, I dummied my ankle tripping up those stairs. I warned you about those shoes. The shoes are fine. The stairs are much less so. Can you walk? I can hobble in a manner most seductive. Will that do? It better. Just out of curiosity, what brought you around? That room. It was a dump. Half deserted. I didn't get much of a look at the rest of the house, but I'd take odds that every other room in the place is nicer. So why is the millionaire spending a quiet night in there? Answer, he wasn't. 
That room had one thing going for it, proximity to the side entrance. First door on the left as you come in. Or first door on the right if you're walking backwards. Why would you be walking backwards? Carrying a body. Very nice. Clear, logical, and completely inadmissible. You got anything else? The clock. The clock? Old Man Hill's watch broke in the struggle. Swell. Wouldn't be the first time. But the watch and the clock breaking at the same time? Thin, ain't it? It really is. If someone's trying that hard to establish the time of death, maybe that lets Gabe Hill out right there. Or not. If Uncle Broderick's watch broke at 9.55, odds are good that's when he got his all right. But if someone wanted to make sure that John Law thought the back study was the real crime scene... They could reset the mantle clock to match the watch and smash it, too. One of those things that probably looks real good if you're a panicky idiot who just carried a body backwards down a rickety set of stairs. Or a pack of thick-necked bulls looking to move on to the next case. There is that. That clock probably hadn't even been wound in a year. It might still work, or it might not. In either case, proves not much of anything. And Gabe Hill needs a little more help than that. So we find who moved the body, and we'll find who did the deed. And to do that, we need to find where the body was moved from. And to do that, we need to know where the body was before it was a body. So we try the private club? Yeah. They're not going to tell us anything. Then what are we doing here? I'm going to ask the private club. I'll ask, beg, threaten, and cajole. If they throw me out in five minutes, it's par for the course. If they let it go ten, Sabian's called ahead and they're stalling till he gets here with a shiny new pair of bracelets for me. Where am I during this one-act farce? You're hobbling over to that 17-year-old kid they've got on the door. Hobbling just as seductively as you can manage. Get the picture? Gee, you paint it so subtly. How can I cut through the clever subtext? Nice. Try not to traumatize him for life. No promises. Go. Jack shot me something neatly between a grin and a leer over his shoulder as he crossed the street ahead of me and pushed his way in the main door, much to the dismay of the kid at the door. I could see the kid peering in to where old Squarejaw was leaning against the main desk, making his inquiries. After a moment or two, he seemed sure enough that he wasn't expected to enter the club and bodily remove the shabbily dressed interloper, and he turned just in time to catch yours truly limping towards him. I locked eyes with him and smiled. He swallowed hard and turned a charming shade of crimson. He didn't seem to be that put off by the limp. Well, hello. Uh, Hello. I mean, uh, good afternoon, miss. Oh, don't worry about the formalities, sweetheart. I'm no society doll. I just thought I'd come over and say hello. You did? You're a little young to be working a job like this, aren't you? I don't know. I guess so. Put in a lot of hours, do you? Well, sure. Like last Tuesday night, for example? Tuesday night? Terrible echo out here, ain't it? What's this about? Who says it has to be about anything? Well, nobody, I guess. So were you here on Tuesday? Sure, I was here. Is this about Mr. Hill? You say that like a little murder and mayhem isn't the most exciting part of your week. I just opened the door. And flag down cabs? And flag down cabs, sure. And just maybe you hear where that cab is headed? It's all right. Somebody's already been around. Somebody has, have they? Sure. It's okay. It is, is it? Sure. I already promised the other one. Other one what? Well, I mean, you don't look like a cop. Gee, thanks. You really know how to butter up a girl, don't you? I guess. You guess. So, the other one... Got you to keep the address to yourself, yes? That's right. 
You don't have to worry about me. My lips are sealed. Your lips, yes. But what about the cabbie? The what? Did you know the cab driver? No. I never saw him. Gee, I never thought about that. But it was a blue line taxi. I, I remember that. Thanks, kid. Say, what'd you do to your leg? Can you use your imagination? Sure. Well, cut it out. It's bad for your nerves. Two minutes and 55 seconds later, I made it back to the car. Having been thoroughly stymied in my inquiries by the staff at the club Trecher. Not for nothing, but God forbid if I ever happen to be murdered or meet with similar untimely demise, I would want the employees of my gentleman's club to share with any and all any sort of information that might help solve the case. But apparently, those that frequent such establishments feel otherwise, to judge by the frosty reception I got. The red-faced fellow at the desk gave me the runaround as best he could, but the icy fingers up and down my spine told me that his manager was phoning Sabian, and I beat a suitably hasty retreat. Her ladyship was already back in the car, and lucky for Gabe Hill, she had some good news. We'd caught a break. Sam Waters was still the dispatcher down at the Blue Line Cab Company, and his drivers thought the world of the old guy. Trixie and I had done a good turn for Sam three or four years ago, and he was the kind of guy who never forgot a favor. It's not that taxi drivers were big on confidentiality. They weren't. But they were big on getting paid. Once you'd found your driver, you could almost always get the skinny, if there was any to be got. But you'd have to grease a few palms to find him. And you'd have to grease the driver plenty to get him to squawk. And frankly, with our client in the pokey, there was no one around to foot the bill for the application of said grease. But Sam Waters found us our man and told him to cooperate in a voice that said he wasn't kidding around. Ten minutes later, we had what we needed, and there was nothing to do but sit by the coffee maker in the Blue Line garage and wait for Sabian to catch up with us. This coffee is disappointing. Sam will be crushed. These guys drive all night. You'd think they'd have better fuel for the job. Well, well, well. Lord and Lady Gumshoe. Just a second, Sabian. You know what had cut through some of this bitterness? What's that? A little vanilla in the pot. Really? Just a touch. Are we done with hints from the happy homemaker? I'm done if you're done. I wasn't even really listening. So I caught up with you two at last. Truly, it's been a merry chase. Indeed. Can I offer you some lousy coffee, Sabian? The hard sale, no less. Don't you two geniuses want to know where you fouled up? Let's see. You phoned ahead to the club, they called you when I arrived, and then you strong-armed the kid at the door into coughing up what he told Trixie, and you followed the trail of breadcrumbs. But he probably didn't spill everything. I hope you scared him good, Sabian, because somebody's already paid him off to keep quiet. Who? Search me. He called them the other one. Whatever that means, he's been keeping mum about Broderick Hill's real destination the night he died. But we've got the hack that made the actual delivery. You two think you're so cute. The kid says Dixon's picked up a limp. I'm not surprised. Here, catch. What's this? The heel off your shoe. You lost it when you tripped up those stairs. I spotted it in the mud by some bushes. Okay. First of all, my shoes are fine. Secondly, my shoes are black, not red. Thirdly, when have you ever seen me wear a four-inch heel in the middle of the day? And fourthly, Sabian, you just solved the case and locked up a conviction. He has? I have. Uh, that is... Well, all right, wise guy, tell me how. Here's the address the cabbie gave us. You know it? Mm. Sure, I know it. It's a cat house. It is, isn't it? So Broderick Hill gives the staff every Tuesday night off so he can visit a house of ill repute, nice and regular. But this week, his ticker gets the better of him. 
He falls. He hits his head. He breaks his watch. It's nine fifty-five. The girls don't call an ambulance because that'd mean cops. They dress him as best they can, leaving him a little disheveled. They drive him home instead of to the hospital. So maybe he's already dead. And maybe that's the sort of call a doctor should probably make. Fair point. They park by the side door so as not to be seen from the street. They have a little trouble on the stairs, either on the way in or out. I say out. Why out? Because the heel was in the mud a few yards further on. That's another good reason. I'll come back to mine. I hate you. Seconded. They bring the body into the first room they find and drop him there. They get the bright idea to make it look like there'd been a struggle, so no one would wonder if the body was in the right place. They hit upon the happy notion of matching the broken watch with the broken clock. So they reset the clock and smash the glass with the heel of a shoe, very much like that one, Sabian. I think you'll find that the bottom of that heel matches the small square hole in the glass very nicely, suggesting the shoe was in one piece when they left. If you're very lucky, Lieutenant, you might just find the shoes that go with that heel still in the possession of one of the girls in that house. Hardly premeditated murder, but I'm sure you'll agree some laws were broken. And proving, in any case, that Gabe Hill didn't do it. And that you should probably open his cage so I can present a bill for thirty nine ninety nine plus expenses. So I suppose one of the girls paid off the kid on the door to keep quiet. I guess. So I guess we know what he meant when he told you, the other one took care of it. The other one what? Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Don't look so sore, Dixon. The kid probably meant it as a compliment. Besides, I've got to get the last laugh once in a blue moon, don't I? And that's how it went. Ma Justice would probably have seen it as grist for the mill of her old adage. Maybe it was, because for Gabe Hill, it was the clock that had stopped that was right all along. Blackjack Justice, episode thirty-three, "The Stopped Clock," was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices supplied by Kevin Robinson, Hans Messerschmidt, and Greg Taylor. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator, and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Somewhere in the lush pastures just outside the Mutual Audio Network building. Wasted away again in Medagaritaville. Lothar, give me the bottle. No. Now. No. Jack said we had to do this. For the AD community. Hey, Jan, we got your text. Hey, yeah, what's up? You said Brother Lothar needed us? Thanks, Jeff. Jack, uh... Yeah, Lothar... He's, well, really wasted. And he won't stop drinking. I think this one's going to take all three of us. Well, I know he likes his cocktails, but isn't this a bit early, even for him? And why is he singing about Mad Dog 2020? Jan, what's this about? Lothar, overheard you talking about Mad Con 2020, and, well, he misheard. Wait. Are you saying that... Yeah, he thought you said there would be three days of Mad Dog 2020, not three days of Mad Con in 2020. And he's like been drinking that swill ever since. Getting out in the rain.
Oh, let me talk to him. Thanks. I tried to tell him, but I think that stuff's already rotted what's left of his brain. Here, I'll take one for the team. <laughs> hey, brother. Hey, Jeff. You here for some Mad Dog 2020? Um, yeah, but uh, they were out at the store. Can I have a swig off yours? Of course, brother. Lothar, you shouldn't be drinking that. I'm not. <laughs> Jeff is. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, look, you heard us talking about Mad Dash Con 2020, not Mad Dog 2020. Uh, what's your bucket? Oh, 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 this stuff is almost as bad as Ripple. Mad Dash Con. The modern audio drama convention. It's the first convention of its kind. And it'll occur in 2020. A convention? Yes, yes. Producers, directors, writers, editors, composers, actors, and, and fans of audio drama are going to come from all over to Halifax, Nova Scotia for the weekend of July 24th to the 26th of 2020. We have all sorts of things scheduled. We have recording sessions and workshops, panels, and the opportunity for folks, fans, and creators alike to meet in person www.mad-con.com That's mad-con.com has all the details, including how to register. That's... That's a really cool idea, man. Oh, that's much better than drinking this stuff. Oh. God, I've only had three sips and I'm not sure I can feel my face. Oh. Come on, honey. Let's get you back inside. Thanks, guys. No problem, Lady Jan. We're not going to let him live this one down anytime soon, are we? Oh, I should think not. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Remember to listen and drink responsibly, listeners. Mad Dash Con 2020. Not to be confused with any kind of fortified wine. Oh. Yeah! 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 Yeah!